Sanders, let me hear you one time. Come on, y'all. Hey, listen, I am super, super grateful that you're here. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you in this message. This one's going to be a little bit tough on you, all right? So go ahead and prepare yourself. And the reason I say it's going to be tough on you because it's been a little bit tough on me. Uh, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. I don't know if you've ever done that in your life, but we got to get away with the staff for a little bit, and then I'll talk about it in the message just a minute. But we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary last week, me and Angie. Come on, give me a little love. <laughs> Truth is, you better give Angie some love because she's long-suffering. You know what I'm saying? But we really did have a great time. But to this message just is a little bit odd because... When you get away, you turn off your phone, and that's literally what I do. I just turn everything off because then I can kind of get away for a little bit. But when we got back, um, got back late last night, and I turned on the phone, and man, it was just blown up with just some really, really tough situations happening locally. And when that happens, it overwhelms you. And what was crazy to me in God's sovereignty is that this message that I'm about to give today was created before I left two weeks ago. So this is like a message that I wrote three weeks ago, and we put it into the, you know, the file, getting ready, because I knew I'd be gone for a couple of weeks. And when I wrote all of this out, I wasn't aware of what would be happening in the world and in our local culture. So I say that to you because I want you to really pay attention. <laughs> I want you to really just let your ears, you know, open up and let your heart open up and go, all right, this message is for me because I'm telling you it's definitely for me uh, when I open up my inbox and we have kids that have been tragically killed in car wrecks. Uh, we had a tragic loss of a, a sophomore who took his life in Benton and just one of our dear friends and tough, tough situation. Uh, I got a phone call about one o'clock this morning uh, from a family here in the church, and their son was the one that fell out of the truck last night on Clyde Fent Parkway. He's battling for his life in Oshner right now. Uh, right before I get here, one of the firemen called me and says, hey, man, one of our guys fell off a ladder, broke his back. He's at Oshner. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. But maybe you get it. Maybe it's this time for you as well. You're here looking for some hope. You're here looking for, all right, man, it's been kind of a challenging week, a month, or a year, and you're trying to navigate all of this. Well, I'm wrapping up living the dream. And what's been fun about living the dream, it's kind of like challenge you to dream outside the box, to think big, to really go for it, you know. But how are we going to end this series? You know, I had the ideas, the thoughts, and then it hits all in this week. I'm like, God, you really know what you're doing. And here is the opening question that I'd like to propose today, and that is, what is the dream? Now you go, well, what do you mean? You've been challenging us. I've been thinking about my dream. Sometimes it's personal, your business, your career, your family, or whatever. But I'm going to challenge you to go a little different route when I ask you this question. Have you ever thought about God's dream? What is Jesus' dream for us? Now the reason this hit me is because obviously I have been. I'm challenging you to think about living your dream. I have the opportunity to live my dream, and we've heard that in the weeks prior. But what I had not thought about is, what is God's dream for you and for me, for all of us? Well, we find a little insight in Matthew chapter 6, when it says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, for anybody who's grown up in church, does anybody know where this phrase is taken from? It's a famous thing called the Lord's large prayer yeah our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done this is the part that really trips us out a little bit trips me out anyway as I'm writing these things out as I'm going all right 
God has this idea of heaven, and we know that one day that is an opportunity for us. We're looking forward to that. But what we don't think about is that he wants his kingdom, his will to be done, not just in heaven, right now on this planet, right now on this earth. Heaven one day, hopefully, but the truth is you never know when that's going to happen. You never know when your last breath is. You never know when those moments are going to hit you and you go, man, I'm reminded through, like I said, when I turned on my phone and I see these tragic news updates of our community. It breaks my heart. I'm burdened by it. I'm, I'm struggling through that just like everyone else is. And you're reminded of this phrase, life is short. Before I left for the staff retreat and time with my wife, Angie, the Saturday before I left, I did a memorial service for a dear friend in the Simple Church. And when I tell you that life is short, this guy right here, Jim, one of our dear friends, it was a real reminder of how short life is. Jim was huge in this community, huge in downtown Shreveport. Um, he really invested a lot of money into rebuilding buildings, into rebuilding communities. He was the guy that actually helped us do computer stations in a church in Cedar Grove when I was in a bind trying to do some good and solve a problem for a local African-American church. Jim was like, I got your back. We went in and put all these computers in. This is the guy. He goes to the revel, has a good time, listens to music, walks on his way, walking home in downtown Shreveport, just falls and dies. Over. Boom. Family shocked, friends are shocked, community shocked, big musician, huge music group here. And that's, you know, I'm a music guy. So, I mean, all of us were in this room. We actually did his memorial service in this room and all the musicians and friends gathered and we couldn't believe it, but we're reminded, man, it's quick, quick. Heaven is not just one day. It's like now. It's like, wait a second, this is happening now. Then of course, last night, if you're in the world at all and you see the news breaking, you see that. Matthew Perry passes away, 54 years old. Well, that's my age, so that's a little wake-up call there. Like, wait a second, Jim's 60, 54. You're like, it's getting too real here. Hold on a second. Then you go back to the Scripture, and you know these things to be true, but you don't think about it. We think we have all the time in the world. We think all our kids have all the time in the world. We're not worried about anything, but then James comes back and says, hey, listen. You say today or tomorrow, we're going to go do this or go to this city, stay here. We're going to do this. We're going to make some money. But you don't know about tomorrow. It continues when he says, he said, what is your life? It's like a fog. You see it and then it's gone. See, we're all about preparing for the future investment. We got to prepare for this and think about this. And, you know, I have money and I want to be able to go on vacation because trust me, I just got off vacation. I get it. It's good. So you're trying to prepare for the end of your, you know, life and retirement and all these different things. And he's like, but hey, here's the deal. You say you're going to do this. Trust me, me and Jim are close. This guy was a business guy in this community. I mean, you, you just don't understand. I, I get it. Jim thought he had forever. I think I have forever. Matthew Perry thought he had forever. He's sober. He got clean. <laughs> Best years ahead of him, right? He's like, man, I'm going to get my life back on track. And boom, it's gone. As I told you, I turned on my phone and young people, tragically gone way too early I'll leave this service and I'll head straight to Oster and we'll be walking through a family who has a young person that is trying to figure it out what they do 
to keep him on this planet, to let him go to heaven? And how do we navigate that tough, challenging stuff? You think you got forever. Then I start going back to my life. This is why when people say, well, man, were you really gone with your wife last week? I mean, have you been gone a couple of weeks? Yeah, because I told you, 25 years of marriage deserves a little time away. Can I please get a little more love on that, y'all? Come on. Yeah. 25 years. Angie's put up with me for 25 years. And the reason I say that, that 25 years went by like that. So you're young in here. You're, you know, newly married. You're on the, you think, oh, it's good. we got forever. I heard, saw one of my dear couples I married not too long ago. They were moving in our house next week. And you're like, those are, are just huge moments. It's so awesome. But let me just remind all of you, it goes quick. Can I get an amen from an old person? Amen. It's true. Everybody said it when we were growing up. And you're like, whatever. And it seems like in this culture, it's going even faster. So what I decided to do, and y'all have to just bear with me because my beautiful wife for 25 years, I decided to put in a little heaven tribute to her, all right? And that's because I'm old school. See if you recognize the song, but here's about 20 seconds or so. And let me tell you, if you want to know how fast time is moving, I don't recognize this young man in this little picture, this little video, but I definitely recognize that woman. Watch. man that's good stuff right Brian Adams heaven Angie hadn't aged a bit I think I ate that guy you know <laughs> what happens man time goes by fast 25 years it's like man that's like we were young and wild and free I'm like yeah I remember those days no dogs and no kids can I get an amen old people right it's gone and then if you don't believe that Time is moving quickly. Have some kids. Next thing you know, man, you look at your kids. This is Halloween week. Most of you are dreading Halloween. We had Evan earlier. His little baby won like pumpkin late night and all that. I remembered that. I go back to me and Ian dressing up. Yeah, that's me and Ian right there, my son. You won't see me in no stretch suit. I can promise you right now, all right? <laughs> and then I found this picture of our staff kids. These are all our kids. My baby's over there on the end, Cookie Monster. Ian's back in the back. Chip's kids, look at all of them. Christy, I mean, it goes by. Some of you are dreading right now. We got to go trick or treat. Oh my God, we got to get all this. Dude, it will be over before you know it. And if you still don't believe me that life is moving quick, that it's happening fast, ask a relative like your father for me. My dad's in his early 80s. As you know, on hospice, I got to spend time with him this past week as well. And let me tell you something, it's priceless. And while we're down there, he gives me my own Stanley Cup. So now I'm really cool, you know what I'm saying? I can walk around with my Stanley Cup, right? But you know you're old when your dad labels everything. Look, right there. That's my cup, y'all, all right? And then as I'm walking out, he gives me an envelope full of 25 more labels. He said, you might need these for later, all right? And I'm like... Dad, it's my cup. He's like, no, you got to be prepared. And the crazy thing is, is when I talk to my dad, he's like, man, it went by like this. 
I got to feed him. We got to eat, man. Of course, you know we're going to go down there. We had shrimp, man, boiled shrimp and key lime pie. And he said, man, I thought I'd live to 94, but he's on hospice. He's in his early 80s. His birthday's coming up in just a couple of weeks. But when he could talk, because now he has literally lost his ability to communicate. Difficult on him. And he's like, man, it just went, it's gone. You think you'll be able to talk forever. You think you'll be able to communicate forever. His biggest frustration is he can't even say, I love you. He can't say goodbye. He can't say, how are you doing? It's gone. Frustrating. You go, well, Justin, what's the point of all this? I'm going to tell you what the point is. You ready? You only have so much time on this earth to dream. You don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to open my email. I don't want to hear the stories. I don't want to think about how brief it is. But the one thing that I can tell you standing here at 54 years old is that while you have time on this earth, you better be thinking about the dream. And I'll help you answer this dream idea with another bold statement that you need to hear and I need to hear. What's the dream? That your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You better and I better prepare for heaven. Most of us are preparing for how long we're going to be on this earth, what we're going to do, whether that's homes, whether that's retirement, whether that's companies, whether all these different things. But in an instant, everything can change. At one o'clock this morning, I missed the call because I had turned my phone off again. My phone was blowing up. Texts were coming in because a mother is calling me because her young son is in Oshner and they're going, we don't know what we're going to do. From one moment living his life to the next moment to this is it, it's over. Over and over again, this is the things you read about or the things that you see and you're like, oh my gosh. And we don't think about this part with our kids, our grandkids, or even our lives. But Jesus did. He was telling you, hey, listen, one day heaven's going to be there and I'm going to prove it to you. When he said this in John 14, there's more than enough room in my father's home. Where's his father's home? In heaven, right? If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a place for me and you. But here's the question. Are you preparing to meet him? How much energy, how much effort, how much thought do you put into that? Or is it just like out of sight, out of mind? I mean, I got other things to do. I just got to get on and be like, no, no, no. This is why today matters. This is why, you know, a few weeks ago we were, I wrote this out. We were preparing for this. But now I'm this week looking at my inbox, hearing the phone calls and going, okay, God, I get it. We grew up, we had phrases like this. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Well, it's a great statement. It's very true. But how in the world, if you're not in church, if you've never been in church or you're trying to figure it out, how do you prepare? It really is pretty simple. And one of my favorite stories ever in scripture is this one, because it gives everyone in here hope. You're not a church person. You didn't grow up in church. You have no background. You haven't done everything right. You don't even know what you're doing. You're just like, man, I'm trying to figure it out. This is the story for you. You got to remember, I didn't ever think I'd be a preacher. I never thought I'd be on the stage telling people about Jesus. I was trying to navigate this life too, making some really poor choices, doing some bad things, doing some good things, but just trying to figure it all out. But then when you see this scripture, you're like going, man, this is hope for everybody. Luke 23, Jesus says this, how do you prepare? Jesus said to him, I promise you today you will be with me 
in, what's that word? Paradise. I tell you, dude, I like paradise, but what is paradise referring to? He's referring to heaven. He's like, hey, Jesus says to this guy, we'll talk about it in a minute, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise. That's living the dream. You're talking about living the dream, man? Give me with Jesus in heaven. Now, you probably would ask, like I asked, well, who's this guy? Who has Jesus said to him? Who's the him? And he's promising him he's going to be with him in paradise. Well, who is it? Well, this is the moment where there's two thieves on two separate crosses next to Jesus in the middle on his cross. And this thief looks at Jesus and says, hey, I believe in you. Many of you would ask, well, like, well, how did he get in heaven? I mean, it's got to be more than just, hey, I believe in you. I mean, did he ever go to church? Wasn't there a history of this guy going to church? Did he get baptized? Did he tithe? Surely he gave something to the church. Did he help the poor? If he didn't tithe, tell me he threw in a 20 to go help feed somebody or something. He sang a song. Surely there's a worship song in this guy's life at some point. I mean, everybody knows if you're a Christian, you've got to sing. That's his way it is. Communion? Dude, had to have taken communion. Nope, 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 nope. None of those things. None of the things that you think get you in or make you right with God, he ain't done any of them. This is why I love the story. This is a thief on the cross who is guilty. And how do we know he's guilty? Because of these words right here. He says, we got what was coming to us. He's saying, hey, I'm on this cross because I was wrong. I am guilty. But he didn't do anything wrong, speaking about Jesus. And then he said to Jesus, well, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into power? The other thief on the other side was mocking and making fun of him, going, hey, if you're the son of God, go ahead, man, save yourself. Don't we have people in our lives the same way? Hey, if God's in control, why is all this bad happening? Hey, if this is what's going on, why do my kid have to go through this? Why am I having to struggle with this? Which I get. Jesus is giving you a great picture of where we are. But this other thief, who is just as guilty, who is wrong, looks and says, that guy hadn't done nothing wrong in the middle. And I'm asking you just to remember me. I know I'm wrong. Remember me, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, I've showed it to you, but I'll show it to you again. I promise you. When Jesus makes a promise, that's a good deal. I promise you that today you will be with me in paradise. How in the world could this be possible? No church, no communion, no, no camp, no church camp, no throw a you know, stick in the fire, you know what I'm saying? Kumbaya, my Lord. No kumbaya. Everybody knows kumbaya is in the Lord. Come on. Nothing. I promise you that today you will be with me in paradise. How? You ready? Admit my guilt. I know we're wrong, for, and I, that's why we're hanging on this cross. I know I've made mistakes, and I believe you are who you say you are, Jesus, and I trust you. So remember me. And he says, and today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't walk an aisle. He didn't sign a card. He didn't get baptized. Nothing. A simple, simple act. I know I'm wrong, and I know you're my only hope. And I believe in you. You talk about being prepared for heaven? This is it. 1 John 1, 9, if we admit our sins, and trust me, I got a long list. Probably I'm not the only one. Simply come clean about them. Don't cover them up. Man, you know everybody covers them up. Kids cover them up when they're young. Man, they mess something up. They try to cover it up. You mess things up. You try to cover it up. Politicians, moving on. All right, sorry, moving on. And he won't let us down. He will forgive our sins and purge us of 
all wrongdoing. You know why this is a big deal today? It's because you're preparing for paradise. You're preparing for heaven. Because this world is difficult, challenging, messy. And you think you can prepare and put everything in a line and get everything just like you want it. But in an instant, beyond your control, a phone call comes in. A diagnosis happens. You're walking home from the revel and it's over. It will matter more than anything else in this series, in this life, in the history of Simple Church. This is it. Because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss heaven. I don't want you to miss paradise. I want you to be prepared. Because one day he says, hey, this is my goal. This was Jesus' dream. That my heaven would be fulfilled on earth. Because I want you to know heaven's already prepared for you. But what I'm hoping for, what I'm praying for, is that you will bring a little of that heaven to this earth. We'll get into that in a minute. So I'm at the beach. And you're talking about paradise for me? I love the beach. These are pictures taken with my iPhone. That's not doctored. That's not like filtered. That's, not, that's just me sitting there in a chair and going, thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. All notifications are off. All phone calls are off. All I'm doing is going, all right, Lord, let me just see you. Let me see my beautiful wife. Let me just enjoy it. And he's like, how about this one? And I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm in heaven. This is it. This is it. And you know what's crazy? For the first time in my life, two weeks in heaven. Can I get an amen on that? One with the staff and then one with my beautiful wife. No kids, no dogs, no phone calls. Whew. I won't even go into the rest of that. But y'all know I'm talking about married couples? Ba-bling, ba-bling. Oh, thinking about our younger years. We were young and wild. Wild and free. You know what I'm saying? On the beach, this is it. This is great. Living the dream. And then here, it hits me while I'm out there looking at all this beauty, thinking about it. It's going to end. You know you got to get back in the car, Joker. And you know that fancy dinner you went on when you was eating and enjoying it? You're like, that bill's coming. <laughs> Jody and Sherry, our dear friends, give us this time at the beach for the staff and for me and Angie. They, they gift us. They're dear friends. They love us. They're like, man, it's the least that I could do. And I'm telling you, I'm so grateful. It's amazing. It is beautiful. It's unbelievable. But you and I both know as the closer you get to the end, you're like, the dogs are coming. That messy house is still there. You know what I'm saying? The phone calls are coming in. You got to go back to work, Joker. You can't escape it forever. And then it hits me. Can you imagine paradise and heaven forever? No end, no debt being due. You know what I'm saying? You're not paying a credit card. You, you get to just be there. You want to know why you're going to prepare for it? That is paradise. And here's what's crazy. John 5, you ready for this? I can guarantee this truth. This is Jesus again. Wouldn't it be good to have a guarantee on your vacation? Like, so that's sometimes you pay that extra money for a guarantee. In case things go wrong, you're guaranteed. He's saying, look, I can guarantee this truth. Those who listen to me, to what I say and believe in the one who sent me, they will have, what's those two words? Eternal. Not two weeks, not a week. Eternal life. And what's even better, John 5, it continues, and they won't be judged. How good is that? 
Dude, this body right here, I never took my shirt off. Can I get an amen, old people? They won't be judged. Dude, I don't want to be judged. This ain't Planet Fitness. This is a judgment-free zone. No, it's not. You're going to look at my fat rear end and go, man, you need to quit eating. Put the little Debbies down. And the bad news is it's Christmas tree season. You already know that, all right? But you won't be judged. They won't have anything. You have already passed from death to life. No judgment. Eternity. No death. No bad phone calls. No horrific difficult circumstances to come back to because let me tell you something you know it I know it death stinks put it more blunt it sucks but it's the pathway to paradise that's true if Jesus comes back we'll talk about that in a minute that's going to be even more better than when you look at Israel and everything going on everybody's got these plans we don't know when it's going to happen it is more likely that it's going to be a death circumstance that you're going to experience that pain and that difficulty. And Jesus did as well. And that's why he hated it. That's why he fixed it. That's why he told the guy on the cross and he tells me and you, man, I'm the only way. And there is hope when you look at 2 Corinthians when it says, hey, we can be confident in this. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we're dreading it, he's like, no, as soon as you're leaving this body, when you have a relationship with me, do you with me. Today, he told the thief, you're going to be with me in paradise. Not a week from now, not a month from now, not purgatory like I grew up. He's like, no, listen, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Sign me up. And that's why you got to be ready. People get ready for the train is coming. Remember that? You don't need no ticket. You just get on board. That's a lie. People get ready is the truth. But you do need a ticket. And that ticket is not your good works, not something you've done, but to be prepared through a relationship with Jesus. And why is that important? Just in 1 Corinthians, we will not all die. Remember I told you? There's a chance that when he comes back, we might be on the planet. Maybe your grandkids, maybe your kids, it may be us. But hey, we will be changed though either way. It will only take the time of a second. You will be changed as quickly as the eye blinks. The trumpet will blow and those who have died will be raised to live. What's that word? Forever. Forever. It's going to go there in a minute. And now, there it is. Raised to live forever. She's got to follow my mind. Can you imagine? Y'all give it up for cat back there following me. She's like... Lord Jesus, I don't know where he's going today. No, this is it. If you've died with him, you'll be lived forever. And you will be changed. And death is swallowed in victory. Dude, this is why it matters when you get the phone call, when you get the text. One of our dear friends played music on the stage forever. Spencer comes in. He goes, man, my dad's struggling. He just got diagnosed this week. He looks like he's going to go on hospice. He's trying to figure out my dad is on hospice. But let me tell you something. Death is swallowed in victory through Jesus. Can I get an Amen. So back to the question, then why are we still here? Justin, but what's the purpose? I mean, what's the dream? Why are we still here? Do you remember this verse I started with? Pay attention. You got the part. You need to be prepared. But let's go back to why you're still here. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? In Shreveport. In Bossier. In Honduras. In Africa. In Mexico, in your neighborhood, in your school, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. This is his prayer. He's like, God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Not one day. The reason you're still breathing, the reason you can 
the reason your heart is still beating is because you are on this earth to bring his kingdom. To bring a little bit of heaven when everything else is dark and difficult and it's tragedy. You think, i got to run from that. I don't want to be a part of that. No, maybe you're here and maybe your relationship with that person or that circumstance or that situation is so that you can be a little heaven on earth for them. When I was down there with my dad this past week, his wife, Cresslin, and him, they named their house Cielo. That is Spanish for heaven. And they had a little plaque made. One of his friends made the plaque, and that's my dad and his wife, Cresslin. And this is the picture of the house. This little plaque sits right outside in the flower garden. And if you remember, me and Scott painted that house during the summer. You know what I'm saying? And when you see it, you go, man, that ain't heaven. Man, that's just a little old shack. But no, for them, it's heaven. Man, they're like, man, this is it for us. This is a beautiful. And we would joke with them about it. I'm like, Dad, I'm painting it, but I, hope, I don't know if it's heaven, but I'm giving it a good coat of paint anyway. And then my dad and Crescent always joke, my dad's a car guy. So while we're joking about that being heaven, and he's got a bunch of junk in the back because he's a car guy, my dad says, well, I'm going to tell you right now, and he could talk, and Crescent's definitely agree with him. This is when he could communicate, and he was just like, man, I'm telling you, I hope there's some junkyard cars in heaven. And I'm like, dude, what? Now, this is just the truth on my dad. My dad's going down the road. He's on hospice. He can barely walk. This is my dad. He tells Crestland to pull over. That's him. Hospice with a walker, catheter included, all right? He's going to stop and get out. Let me take a picture of that car. That's how jacked up that mind is, right? Because he loves it. And he's like, man, I'm praying that there's going to be a junkyard in heaven. This is my dad's idea of heaven right there, all right? And y'all laugh. We all pick with him and joke and everything. And then we were kind of laughing because their house is so cute and they really worked hard to make it beautiful. And we just joke with him about these cars and he's always been a car guy. And I thought this verse is like Matthew 6 and kind of pick with him. I'm like, Dad, don't save up treasures for yourself here on earth. Moth and rust will destroy them, Dad. He's laughing. He's like, no, that's patina, son. That's like quality, right? And thieves break in and steal. How many times do you have stuff? You're worried about somebody denting it. You're worried about somebody stealing it. What's going to happen with this? Blah, blah, blah. And then what he says, this is why you're on this planet. You ready for this? Not to store up stuff for yourself. Not to have more for you. Instead, he says, save treasures in heaven. Oh, what, Jesus? Wait a second. Because he's like, hey, y'all, this ain't your home. And I'm telling you, man, if you're going to live the dream, man, I want you to be with me in paradise. Store up things in heaven where they cannot be destroyed. Your heart will be where your treasure is. And here is what I love about my dad. He's a car guy. So everybody goes, man, his, his heart's with them cars. Well, you've really misread my dad because the truth is my dad's heart is way more than just a rusty junkyard car. See, those cars equate to him people. See, cars are relationships. So when he sees a car, it reminds him either of a relationship, a circumstance, a situation with somebody. And for years, he would spend all his time in these swap meets. And I don't know if you've ever seen a swap meet before, but this is at Southport Mall. Where's the love for Southport Mall, son? Come on, right here, right? This is my dad. How I know my dad's right here, he ain't got no rear end like the rest of it. That's my dad, all right? But then it has 687-7499. That was my home phone number. I had it forever. And he would set his truck up, and he would do swap meets. They'd come in and buy materials. I found another picture still in South Park Mall. Look at this one right here. That was his old truck, and he'd put all these car pictures and literature. And guess what would happen? All these people would come up and talk to him. Hey, do you have a 57? Hey, do you have a 69 Camaro? Do you have an Impala? Do you have this? And he would, oh, yeah, I do. And he would take magazines, and he would have conversations. 
and relationships with all these people. And trust me, he didn't get rich doing it, I promise you. And it's just paper. It's going to go away. It's just rusty old cars. No, it was about the people. Moved on from there. He went to do, do car shows. This was my dad. He was just pride and his joy. It's 57 Chevy four-door, man. That's where I learned to drive. I stole it out of the driveway. It was three on the tree. Any old people know what I'm talking about? Three on the tree, son. That's how I'd, I'd go steal it, let it roll down the driveway, and I'd go learn to drive in it. He was so proud of it. But what was it about? It wasn't about the trophies. Look at his face. He, look, he looks real happy, didn't he? Look at that one. The truth is, is it was about the relationships. All of the people he would meet, all the things that he would see, and people would come up and he would talk. He was in every car, antique car show, car this, car that. And he was like, man, you remember him? And you remember this? And don't forget that? And don't forget this? It was about the cars. It wasn't about storing up treasures. It really was about the relationships. That was the treasure. And he said, how do you know that? Well, a couple of years ago when he was in good health, he finally restored his 70 Chevelle Convertible, my brother's car. He's, this is his dream car. He can't wait because him and my dad have had a close connection on this car. But my dad put it in one final car show, not knowing it was his final car show. Cleaned it up, me and my brother and my wife. We went down and looked at it down there and spent some time with him. And look, he was when he's good health. He was, had no idea that he had issues with his health. No idea he'd be on hospice. And the reason I show you this picture, because yesterday as we're leaving to come back, this car show goes on again yesterday. And now barely able, thanks to Crestle, when they get him in the car, he can drive by and spend just a couple minutes looking, not for the next car, but to see what friend is out there to talk about. Hey man, it's good to see you, John. Good to see you. What are you doing now? How are you doing? Because those cars were one way to have a relationship. And one of those relationships, his last big car show he went to, this is Wayne Medlin from AT&T. They worked together at AT&T forever, him and his wife. And Wayne and them, they took him out to one of these big, huge car shows. And my dad still talks about it, all the relationships and all the friends. And as a young person, you're sitting here learning. You're, I'm, I'm looking at my life. I'm wanting you to be challenged. But I'm like, all right, God, I'm getting it. I, I'm getting it. You're not going to take it with you. Doesn't matter. You're not going to load it up now. This is just for all of you who think you can. I don't know how this guy did it, but he pulled it off. All right. So y'all get the idea. But you already know it's a joke. Can't do that. You're not loading up a U-Haul behind your hearse. Dad, I'm talking to you. You cannot load up the U-Haul behind your hearse. All right. And people say, well, you can't take it with you. Well, the truth is there's only one thing you can take with you. And that's people. And this is why having your kids in church. And having them have relationships matters. This is why when you volunteer, it's not about the job. It's like last week doing do good. It's not about cleaning up the boardwalk. As cool and thankful as we are for that, it's about Ashley, the long-term relationship with her and all she's done for the boardwalk. And you're going, hey, we're here to serve you. How can I help you? It's about you buddying up with your friends and going, man, I'm getting to power wash. I'm getting to spend time with you. It's about the relationships. It's about more than anything else, taking those people and those relationships with you. It is not about the stuff. And my dad taught me this. You ready for this? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. If you really want to know what it's about, remember this one. Remember this one. We're above everything else Love. My dad loved people. He was far from perfect. He didn't get it all right, I promise you. But the reason he loved cars was because of the people. 
And it was interactions and laughing and smiling. He'd meet new people. He'd celebrate old friendships. But all of that was in this one thing. And I want you to know, my dad is prepared to meet Jesus. He's prepared for heaven. And you go, Justin, how did your dad prepare? Well, first, I want to remind you, are you? See, my dad went through a divorce, nasty, ugly divorce with my mom. My mom, they were deacons, Sunday school teachers, but it was difficult. It was challenging. But in that divorce, it did not close his mind or his eyes to following God. He continued to pursue God. In the midst of our young childhood, growing up in church, he was a deacon. He was a part of the deacon board where some deacon stole money from the church. When they took up the offering, the guy stole the money. And they had to confront him, and it was a big mess, and everybody was fighting. He wouldn't do that, and they had a video camera. You did steal the money, and they're going through it. And my dad's in the middle of watching now deacons steal from the church. And if that wasn't enough, are you ready for this? Our preacher was caught cheating with the secretary. And you know what? Just like many of you go, that's why I don't go to church. I'm going to tell you right now, man. My, I went through divorce. I had this loss. So-and-so stole from me. The deacon, they just steal money. The preacher ain't no good. But here's what's so crazy. Are you ready for this? My dad, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And here's what he did not know and I didn't know and you didn't know. Because he was faithful. Because he did not give up. He did not turn away from God when he went through divorce. He didn't turn away from the church when people were stealing, when the preacher was cheating. It influenced his kids to stand on a stage to preach to you today. Because love covers a multitude of sin. And he wasn't preparing for what was experiencing just on the earth. What he was preparing for was that one day he'll be accountable for meeting Jesus. And he's not perfect, so hey, I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect. I'm just going to try to love through this. And maybe in the midst of the darkest, most difficult, challenging times, I will bring a little heaven to this earth. Your kingdom come, Jesus, on this earth as it is in heaven. Because when we do, I'm different. The world is different. Ray Lynn, one of my dear friends, sent me this picture of my dad. This is Shauna. She's with Jesus now. She's one of the early Simple Church people in Ray Lynn. And this Operation Christmas Child, we're about to do Operation Christmas Child boxes for all these kids around the world. My dad got to go and be a part of that and deliver these things. Now think about it. What if he got disgruntled with the church and never pursued God? Then I don't have this picture. I don't have these memories. And these kids don't have the gospel presented to them because every time you pack an Operation Christmas Child box, the gospel's in the box. And my dad didn't let that discourage me. He's preparing for heaven. He was preparing to let love overflow in the midst of all of the negativity, in the midst of the darkness, to be light. Donna Dooley told me this picture was taken by her because we're in Mexico handing out beads. And I cherish this picture. My dad cherished this picture. Why? Because my dad was the first to go to Kenya, Africa. Nobody in my family had been out of the country. My dad did. My dad had gone to Jamaica. He had gone to Mexico. And guess what? As a result, I did the same thing. And as a result, you've been encouraged. We had a team just land from Honduras. We had a team last week just come from Africa. And just think, what if he didn't? What if he didn't prepare? What if he didn't trust Jesus through the difficulty? What if he said, oh, no, it's all messed up? 1 Timothy 6, 19 says this, by doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. You want to know why it matters? This is why it matters. 
Some of you in here, you've given to help us put shoes on the feet of kids, to feed kids in this community and around the world. You've done so many things. Let me tell you why. It ain't just because, okay, that's cool, man. I got you know, to write it off. I need a good write-off. No, it's because you're storing up treasures in heaven. It's the only safe investment for what? Eternity. <laughs> And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So not only are you investing in eternity, hey, you're representing me in the middle of the darkness. That's why you put a little money into Operation Christmas Child. That's why you put a little money into restoring the boardwalk and buying mulch and putting that. Don't make any sense. Why ought to do that? This is why you're still breathing. Check your pulse. Take the deep breath. This is why you're alive. Because it's short. It's quick. Life is moving. You're talking about living the dream. This is the dream. This is his plan. But here's the question. By doing this, by doing all, but what's this? You ready? This is this. Tell them to use their money to do good. Oh, tell them they should be rich in good works. This is why when I call you out, pack an Operation Christmas Child box. Don't just sit there and think it's the message. Well, I got church today. Be the message. Pack the box, man. Go help in the project. Work with your volunteer teams. Volunteer and love on kids and serve with kids. Why? Because in doing these things, being rich in good works and giving happily to those in need, then you will, go back to that last scripture, previous scream, by doing this, you'll be storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. They're connected. Heaven on earth. That's why we're here. Now, I had to figure out a way to really drive it home. And you know I'm going to do a Steve Hartman video. You know I got to. That's my associate pastor. But I had no idea that three weeks ago when I'm writing all this stuff out that it would be what it is and what it would speak to me the way it does today. Because when you've lost teenagers in car accidents, when you're going to have a memorial service this Wednesday for a teenager that took his life, when I'm leaving here and going to the hospital for a teenager that's possibly brain dead, a young adult, a firefighter who broke his back and going to Austin to check on him. When you talk to your best friend from Place Keys, comes out, hey, my dad just got on hospice. When I'm talking to my dad and Crestle and they're battling every day to try to walk. This is why heaven on earth matters. This is the dream. It's because you every once in a while get a glimpse of really what it looks like. Open your ears, open your eyes. And let God speak to you through a crazy, cool story. Watch. They come together at the crack of dawn from all directions, converging on this tiny house in St. Louis, Missouri, for their weekly Wednesday visit with 66-year-old Peggy Winkowski. It's raining. Grandma Peggy brings everyone together. She's just like a built-in grandma to all of us. She cares for us a lot. She really cares for us. The students who visit Grandma Peggy attend Bishop DeBerg High School and are part of what they call the Wednesday Breakfast Club. Seeing the spread, you can understand why kids might want to come here. But what isn't so clear is how Peggy got roped into hosting. The Wednesday Breakfast Club actually used to meet at this diner. Until one day, a kid named Sam Crow said, you know, my grandma could cook better than this. So the next Wednesday, they showed up at her doorstep. I'm like, okay. And they came all school year every Wednesday. That was back in 2021, and it continued merrily until that day when all joy was lost. About a year and a half ago, Peggy's grandson, Sam, a sophomore at Bishop DeBerg, 
was killed in a hit and run. The boy was beloved. So of course, breakfast was the last thing on anyone's mind. And yet, the very next Wednesday, and virtually every Wednesday since during the school year, the kids have returned to Grandma Peggy's in numbers far greater than before. Sam would be so proud, look at what he started. Everyone coming together for a heaping helping of healing. It melts my heart. It's really not about the food, it's just about being together. We benefit from her, she benefits from us. It's like we feed off each other. And we're like keeping his memory alive. Good morning, guys. Everyone grieves differently, but those who manage it best always seem to blanket themselves with kindred spirits, sharing the burden, teaching each other to laugh again, and building tradition to make sure those memories are as snug and sustaining as a warm meal at Grandma's. This is the best morning, isn't it? Come on, y'all. Come on, man. How cool is that? Living the dream, heaven on earth. I close with this. My other chaplain that works with me in Bossier City in the fire department, his wife was battling cancer for a long time. Her name was Melissa, local school teacher. And in the midst of preparing for heaven, she also loved on the kids, the teachers around her. And this post came in. And it's Matt and Melissa talking about yesterday I received a text from Melissa's principal. And she had talked about the fact that they had done a painting in honor of Melissa, just living the dream. They hung it in the break room, in the work room, because Melissa gave that attitude, that makeover of this room for her friends. She renovated. She was going to give back to the kids. She was going to give back to the teachers. And guess what? In the middle of her cancer battle, they posted this picture in the room just living the dream. And I thought about all of us in this room as we're fixing to walk out of here. Life is short. Melissa now is in the presence of Jesus. And her number one goal while she was on this planet was to make sure that people like you didn't miss it. Her friends didn't miss it. If Jim could speak to us now, if the friends that are grieving today could speak to you now, they would remind you, life is short. If you want to live the dream, prepare for heaven. And then bring that heaven to this earth while we have a chance. That's why we do what we do here. That's why you're still breathing. And I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you watch. But what is going to make me more grateful is when we look back and we tell your story at your funeral or you tell my story at my funeral and we talk about all that was accomplished preparing us for eternity and bringing his heaven to this earth we got a job to do don't you quit don't you give up don't you get frustrated above everything else dad you taught me love because love covers a multitude of sins and this world needs his love Thank you. Thank you. Now let's go and live the dream together. Father, I pray that when we walk out of these doors, it would be beyond a service. It would be beyond the inspiration of a cool message, that it would go into the heart of who they are. If there's someone that doesn't know you, it wouldn't be about church. It would be about like that thief on the cross. Jesus, I trust you, and I want you to come into my life. I have messed up. I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. 
And you will say to them, just like you said to that thief, today you will be with me in paradise. And then you challenge us for those that are still living, the ones that didn't go home to Jesus right then, Lord, that while we have breath and while we're on this planet, to bring heaven to earth. That is our purpose. That is why we are breathing. That is why we have money. That is why we have air in our lungs. That is why we have the gifts that we have. Help us to teach our kids. Help us, Lord, to be a church that's about that. Help us, Lord, in the middle of the darkness, no matter what's going on around the world or in our own neighborhood, that we would put our eyes on you and point people to you so that we will see them for all of eternity. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.